0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big how-do to all of you down the line catching us on one of our affiliate stations, including our brand new one, KDETAM in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, those of you who take the show on the road with the, uh, with the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer radio app, both free downloads. And of course, the live YouTube stream. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, again, don't forget my two new podcasts, Conspiracy Unlimited and The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. The former, Conspiracy Unlimited, uh, drops three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Subscribe at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. The latter is brand new. We just launched last Wednesday the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, and that's part of the uh, Westwood One uh, podcast network and the Jericho network with uh, Chris Jericho of WWE fame, and also his, uh, he's got a new rock band called Fuzzy. It's not that new. It's been around for quite a while, but doing very, very well. I've got to get him on the show. All right, uh, this is exciting. We are going to uh, Racine, Wisconsin, where my next guest is situated in an old Victorian house known as the Christmas House, and uh, it is reportedly a very active house. By that, I mean haunted. Carolyn Clapper is an evidential medium, psychic, medical intuit, or intuitive, Uh, She developed these abilities after a near-death experience at an early age. Prior to that, she described herself as a skeptic. She's also worked on missing persons and missing animal cases, unsolved homicides. Carolyn Clapper, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well.
0: Excellent. (laughs) I just
1: got situated into this nice old home that you were talking about.
0: We should point out, this is not your home. You're staying with friends.
1: No, it's not my home. Actually, I'll tell you, I was more nervous about coming to this home for this interview than the actual interview itself. (laughs) Is that right?
0: And why is that?
1: Yes. Well, this house is, you know, a very popular house in the Racine area. But one of my friends now owns it, and I got to know her as a client first. I was actually called by a mutual friend of ours, to come down to Racine and read this house when she purchased it because they had so much activity going on. And I thought, well, what am I really getting myself into? It can't be that bad. So I agreed to it, and I came down. And when I walked through the door, I felt like I was basically walking at a 45-degree angle. It was just the second I came in here, just this huge energy tilted me, like a lack of a better term.
0: That would be a negative energy, I'm guessing.
1: Well, it's just powerful energy. I don't know if it's like negative or positive. It was just intense. So basically, I took it as negative, which I've come to learn that it's just intense. Like it's both positive and negative. Right. When I came in here, I was getting a lot of resistance from the house. It had sat for a long time just vacant, and it hadn't been loved in years. And my friend Pamela decided to take it on as a project. It's just beautiful. And they've done so much work on it. But prior to this, it was just, you know, it's falling apart. And the home was sad. And I know that sounds strange (laughs) that a house can have feelings. But when a home sits, it's inviting people, souls that are lost to come in. Oh, is that Um, that how it happens?
0: So a vacant house is kind of a magnet for spirits.
1: It really is. It can be. It's not always, but this one is particularly a magnet. It's so old and has so much history that when it sat vacant, other, you know, souls came in and it also was occupied by the souls that were left behind, hmm. um, that had once lived here. So when I came in here for the first time, I sat with Pamela. The house I felt was rejecting me. Okay. It didn't want me here is how I felt. So I made sure to do a mantra when I came in through my mind and just kind of put it out there like I'm a medium. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to harm anyone. I'm not here to push anyone out. Anyone who has dwelled here for years, I'm not pushing you out. I just want to talk with you. So when I started saying that out loud and saying that in my heart, things started to calm down for me a little bit. I sat down with Pamela and you know, right away I started getting things for her psychically. So I started seeing her past, um, what she's been through, you know, her parents came through, some other people came through to her and were, you know, just telling me how they passed, talking with her. That's mostly what I do is, you know, communicate with those who have crossed over for people who are here now. And they come through with evidence and they tell me how they passed, they tell me what's going on right now currently in people's lives. I guess You know, they just try and comfort the ones that they've left behind and let them know that they're okay. Right. So we set this up here because we're hoping that, you know, mirrors sometimes are easier for people to, well, for spirit to come through.
0: Right. You have some pets with you. Is one of those pets a dog? Yes. Has the dog been um, frightened or has the dog sensed something, seen something?
1: Okay, so at this house, I know that her dogs do sense things, like they definitely start barking when there's something negative. Mm. I think that we all have good intuition when your stomach starts to feel funny or when you feel like goosebumps in the back of your neck or, you know, you start feeling like somebody is watching you. So anytime you have that feeling here, the dogs feel it as well. So they'll go to the area of which spirit is that? because they see them as well. And they'll start barking. They'll start barking at corners. They'll start barking at walls. You know, so Pamela always feels protected with her dogs here because, you know, anytime that she feels a little bit watched or a little bit off, the dogs will always come to her aid. Okay. So, you know, they feel it too,
0: which is also,
1: you know, it's confirmation.
0: Sure. Her. We're all keeping our eyes peeled on that mirror now, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what was cool is that when I sat down with her, you know, after reading for her, which I don't want to share with everyone because no, no. it's real personal, but people in this home started coming through to me. And one of the people who came through was an old mayor. Well, he was actually, he died pretty young, but he was a mayor who lived here a long time ago. And he still dwells here. Um, he told me that his body was prepared in the basement and that, he, there was a viewing of his funeral uh, within his casket and stuff in one of the front rooms, which I would be happy to carry this camera around for you, but it would probably be a little awkward. Right, I right. won't do that.
0: Okay. So this um, was a, this house was a was the funeral home at one point.
1: No, no. But they did prepare some bodies. Oh, okay. So this house has been a lot around since the 1800s. So, okay. you know, there was you know preparation of people who lived here and who passed here. So, I mean, it's just because of the, the day and time, you know what I mean?
0: Sure, sure. And do you get full-on apparitions? Or how do you see them? How do you communicate with them?
1: So, I don't see them with my eyes like I see you. I see them behind my eyes. And what I mean by that is that it's kind of like um, when you close your eyes, okay, and you imagine something, All right, like if you close your eyes right now and I said here, imagine your mother in a polka dot dress, right? Mm, Yes. Imagine her holding an apple pie in her hand and handing it to you. Yes. If you have a creative mind and you're able to do that, it's kind of like they put thoughts into my head and they manifest as images. So it's kind of like sometimes it's like that. Like they'll tell me what to see and I'll see it. Right. Um, Other times, like when I'm working on investigations or... Homicide or, you know, I'm asking how somebody passed. Sometimes they will actually like, it's almost like a movie screen is projecting from the back of my head forward to the back of my eyes. And so I kind of see a movie play out. It may have like empty spaces in it. Um, you know, it's like broken. It's like a broken movie and I have to fill in the spaces. Right. Okay. So then I have to ask them questions. I ask them questions through my mind. It's like telepathy. So it's, it's strange to people, but not really. Not if you think about it in the context of, like, prayer. A lot of people pray. Um, a lot of people pray to God or, you know, sure, talk to people who have crossed over. And sometimes they do it through their heart and their mind.
0: Carolyn, i got to jump in here. Excuse me. I mean. We're going to take a, a, t- a time out. We'll come back, and then we'll... Come back to the uh, the Christmas house in Racine, Wisconsin. Carolyn Clapper is with us, evidential medium. We'll find out what that means as well. Psychic medical intuit. Back with more of the conspiracy show. Keep your eyes peeled on that mirror if you're watching the YouTube stream. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at four one six. 360-0740 or toll free at one All right. Carolyn Clapper is an evidential medium. We'll find out what that means in a moment. And right now she's sitting in front of a glorious fireplace with a mirror. Uh, and this is in a very famous house in Racine, Wisconsin. It's called the Christmas House. It dates back to the 1800s, and it is very active. Uh, and if you're watching the YouTube stream, you may just catch something in that mirror, no guarantee, but just keep your eyes peeled on that mirror. How many... How many? Uh, Did they have any poltergeist activity in this house?
1: Oh, man, don't get me started.
0: <laughs> get started. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, yes. Yeah. Okay, so basically... Uh, how do I put this? I'm sitting here now, so I'm just going to let you know that when I start talking about anything negative, I get a little bit nervous because I'm so sensitive, okay. but we'll go there. It's fine. Okay. So when I was first sitting here with Pamela, I started pulling in some of the people that lived here. Um, some of them, there's three nurses that live here on the third story. So this is a huge house. Like each story has, I think, Three thousand square feet per story. Oh my! So it's it's a ten thousand square foot house. So we're sitting here, right? And I'm meeting people uh, in spirit. Okay, so I, I better say that so I'm meeting people in spirit, and they're telling me they're identifying themselves. Um, the first person who came through was this mayor that I was telling you about, and he was kind of negative, but he wasn't. He was he was still human. You know what I'm saying? So right. he was he was negative. He was angry that somebody was kind of coming into his space. Uh, But the more that I spoke to him about it, you know, he kind of just said, well, I'm upset that she's in my office, that she's using my office space because that's my space, you know, which we can understand. I mean, that was his office space. He spent a lot of time there. He's still here. People may have an issue with that, but it is what it is. I don't know why he stayed, uh, but he did. And it's a beautiful home. Maybe that's why. And he didn't like anyone coming into his space. Well, she was coming into his space. She had put a couple of vases in there. And she was kind of putting a female touch to it, and he didn't really like it. So one day he had thrown, he had picked up a vase of hers that was blue and white, and he threw it across the room, and it shattered. Right? And he's, I'm, I'm seeing this because her mother is talking to me, and she comes through and she says he threw my vase across the room.
0: Pamela's late it, mother. Pamela's late mother came Pamela's through. Pamela's
1: late mother came through. So we were talking, and she says that somebody threw her vase across the room and broke it. And she tells me which room. Mind you, I have not been anywhere in this house yet except for the room I'm sitting in now. Right. Okay? So I come directly into this room, sat at the same table, and I was seeing the entire house through my mind. Okay? They show me I can travel here. Okay? I can travel through my mind uh, to other places, and I can envision them. As wherever they want to take me. Okay, right, right. so we'll get into that in a second. If you want to hear more about that, but she's telling me about this room. She's telling me where it's located in the house. She shows me the vase shattering. I ask Pamela, "Is this true?" Pamela agrees. She says, "Yes. Oh my God, that thing levitated through across the room. I mean, I, she saw it happen. Okay, and that's why she had contacted me because there was some crazy stuff going on here like that. Okay, so." Later on, she takes me in there and she shows me the fragment of that uh, vase on the floor. And of course, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm super nervous because the energy is still not subdued. It's very, it was intense at that time, okay? Okay. Um, that was one negative thing. So I had to sit and talk with her and talk with him and kind of negotiate, uh, boundaries between the two of them. She's an intense person. She's very charismatic and really outgoing and, you know, just this wonderful, beautiful person. But, you know, she has high energy. Well, he has high energy too, but they're very different people. They would have been very different if he was alive. Okay. And. We needed to establish a boundary, so he says, okay, look, from this time to this time, I don't want you in that room. Okay? This is my time in there. And she complied. He says, can you please keep that door shut? She says, okay, fine. I'll do that for you. Okay? And so they established a boundary and I said, okay, well, since she's doing that for you, can you help to protect the home from unwanted, you know, behaviors and anything bad? Right. And he, he agrees okay so that was one established boundary and also I'm I'm staging the house so that we have protection within the house positive protection
0: how do you do that how do you stage a house for positive protection so this
1: is my first experience with staging a house for protection so I was kind of feeling my way through the dark literally okay but I felt like that's what I was supposed to do so I asked him to protect the downstairs that would be the first floor that I'm on now okay Mm -hmm. now as I moved through the people that were coming through, there was three nurses that lived here, and I didn't understand why there was three nurses. There was a head nurse and two nurses below her, and they, they take me, in my mind's eye, up two levels. Uh, you know, in the house. So to the top floor and they show me a big, big room that has a fireplace and, you know, they're telling me the wallpaper. They're telling me about the bathroom. Pamela's confirming everything, the furniture, everything verbatim. I've never stepped foot in this room and they show me that Pamela was wanting to change the bathroom attire and to kind of flip some things and change things around. Right. And they really were not, liking the fact, again, that she was changing their state, And so at one point, she had gone into the bathroom, and the head nurse grabbed her hair and pulled her back. Oh, dear. So you asked me about poltergeist stuff. Now, some people who can't see like I see, may see it that way. Like, oh, my gosh, there's this horrible thing going on. And you know, my hair lifted out of nowhere, and we couldn't see anything. And I was yanked. And yeah, that's terrifying. So that's what Pamela was experiencing. She's like, this is, terrifying but once i step in here and she's not telling me what's happening to her but the spirits here are and she's confirming then she has a face and a person that belongs to the hand that pulled there right. the You understand?
0: right becomes so a it little less of, it makes it a little less scary now this is not a residual sort of an, an echo these are spirits with consciousness uh absolutely. so they are earthbound no,
1: absolutely
0: so Can you not show them, you know, tell them that they're dead and to walk towards the light? Can you not (laughs) cleanse the house or is that not what you do?
1: Okay, so when I came here I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I'm not a priest. I don't know how to exercise a faith necessarily. I you know, like I fell into this. I had meningitis in two thousand eleven when I came out of it. I could see everything and feel things okay
0: that's when it all started um, 2011 go ahead. that's when yeah. it all started in 2011
1: it did I saw stuff as a child but it kind of it was all uh, it was all centered in the house that I was born in so just really it was just the spirits within the home that I was born in and as I got older it became quiet and I saw nothing for years until I came down with the meningitis and then it was like my mind blew open basically
0: interesting
1: um so when I was in here, you know, and I was seeing people, I, I didn't come in here with the intention of kicking anybody out because I was nervous and I I didn't want them to, to lash out at me. I'm going to be very
0: Sure. <laughs> no, that is very honest. I appreciate it. Right.
1: That. I didn't want to come in here and be like, oh, I have all of this power and I'm going to kick you out of here and this is your home, but I'm going to kick you out. Well, I didn't feel like I possessed you know, the power to do that. So I came in truly to communicate and to let her know what was going on and to try and form some kind of, like I said, boundaries, uh, respect, okay. you know, peace yeah. among them so that they could live cohesively together.
0: And, you and know? did the, the mm-hmm. nurses on the third floor, did you work out some uh, some sort of a bargain with them?
1: They were a little more difficult. <laughs> so... Um, Uh, You know, they still like their space. Um, They were a little harder to warm up to, you know, especially the head nurse. She's used to kind of telling other people how things are going to be. So they went through Pamela, though. There was a couple times where we knew that they were actually turning, like they started to like her, okay, because she had some issues with her knees at one point, and they went through her and helped uh, to to fix her knees actually.
0: Oh, okay. So and the hair pulling has seen is them stopped. And
1: then experienced them as well. So the, ha-
0: the hair pulling there's... has stopped anyway. What's that? The hair pulling has stopped.
1: The hair pulling stopped. So I asked them to stop doing that. The the point of the hair pulling was to let her know that they were there. But once we acknowledged the fact that they were there and we could have a conversation with them, there was no point in hair pulling anymore. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Once somebody is, like, actually being seen and communicated with, then there's no sense in doing anything so dramatic anymore. So that has stopped. But through this process, you know, there were so many people here. I couldn't even tell you. There was a woman who went by this room in a wheelchair. And I'm, like, I'm watching her go by, right? And I'm, like, where is who is she? Where is she going? She didn't tell me who she was, but she wheels by, and she tells me that she's going to the elevator. And I'm, like... I'm like, elevator? Well, I hadn't been through the house yet at this point. And she shows me, again, in my mind's eye, that she's pulling up next to a bathroom, and she opens the door and gets into a shaft and goes up the stairs. And I ask, Pamela, is there an elevator in this house? And she confirms. She says there's an elevator behind a door in the hallway. It looks like a normal closet door. If you open it, there's an elevator shaft behind it. Hmm. And she says it doesn't function. It doesn't work anymore. Well, go. it was working just fine because this woman was using it and I could see it happening. So even even things that function in a house that are physical are working where they are.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, um, I also, some of the scary stuff that you were asking about when I was going through the house, they took me down to the basement. And when I got, this is through my mind, okay, I'm going down the basement stairs in my mind and I get to the bottom of the basement stairs, and I see a hole in the wall. I'm thinking, okay, is this just uh, suggestive? Is this real? I'm looking at this hole, and I approach it. And through the hole, I can see stairs. And the stairs go down, down, down until it's dark into a tunnel, and I can't see what, where the tunnel leads. Okay, it's just blackness. So I asked Pamela reluctantly. I thought, this is going to sound really crazy. I said, Pamela, do you have at the bottom of your stairs in the basement, do you have a hole in the wall that has stairs behind it that lead into a tunnel? And she confirmed. She Uh. says, oh, my God, I have a hole in the wall at the bottom of the stairs of the basement. It's so freaky. There is stairs that lead down. We don't know where they lead.
0: Oh, they haven't ventured into that tunnel yet.
1: Correct.
0: Can't say that I blame them.
1: Yeah, so I'm coming back up the stairs. In my mind's eye. I'm coming back up the stairs. I kind of got a very nervous feeling down there. And as I'm coming back up, I turn around and I look, and there's at least 30 to 40 people standing down there. These are spirits looking up at me. 30 to 40? uh Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) What's that?
0: 30 to 40, I say. Oh, my Lord.
1: There was so many people down there. It was just a packed room of spirits, and they're all staring at me. And I thought, okay this can't be good. This is a portal or something like this. There's something wrong. We need to close this up. We need to, you know, sage, push things out, do a ritual. Um, so I'm talking to her about this. I physically could not go down there because I was too scared. Um, so Even now? <laughs> I'm sorry? Even now? I still don't go down there. I know that it's a lot cleaner. Okay. Um, they've since sealed that off and they've done cleansing that I've kind of walked them through. But, you know, I don't really need to go into those spaces physically because I can go to them in my mind anyways. Sure. So it's not necessary unless I want to just scare myself, you know, and I'm sure they won't do anything to me. It's just really strong energy. So sometimes I get nervous when it when it's not positive.
0: Right. Um, Could I ask yeah, a it's question? Scary. <laughs> I don't know if this is, if this is um, fair of me to do or not, but... If, I don't know, if, are you feeling a presence uh, in, in the room you're, you are in now?
1: Um, I feel presence everywhere in this house. Okay. So the second I come here, I feel people. So what I'm glad that I don't feel anymore is there was a dark energy here when I was first here. It was real dark. It was like faceless. And it would come up and down the stairs. And that was what was making me reluctant about connecting okay. in the beginning. And you know that has since dissipated because of all the work we've done, uh, all the work that she's done, all the work that her husband has done, bringing this house back to life. Right. Um, you know, and just working with Sage and different things like that. We've we've definitely cleansed the house a lot, so now it kind of feels more like a warm hug when you walk in. Okay. Uh, but there is still some. There's still a pull on like who's in charge a little bit sometimes here, and I can feel that.
0: All right, so here's what I was going to ask, and and you tell Mm -hmm. me if this is not the right thing to do, but um, would you be able to ask if there is a spirit in the room to maybe make itself known by, I don't know, blowing out a candle or something? Is that?
1: (laughs) Okay, well, so here's what's funny. The room that I'm sitting in, okay, can I play with this camera at all or no? Yes, yes. Or would it
0: be really weird? No, no, go ahead, please.
1: Okay, check it out. I'm going to pull this up. See this lantern above me right there? That chandelier. Uh,
0: there's a bit of a delay, so I haven't seen it yet, but I will. Oh, uh, Ryan, in um, my live stream, stream producer is giving you the thumbs up. Okay, so he sees the. Do
1: you the... see the chandelier? Okay. Yes. You do. Okay, that particular chandelier does not have a turn off switch or a turn on switch. That chandelier is on all the time, whenever it wants to be, or it turns off when it wants to be turned off. So right now, it's glowing for us, which is really great. It has. Again, when I was reading the house in the beginning, we had some activity happening with that chandelier, um, and Spirit here told me that they control that particular light. Um, that it is actually the the uh, wires, excuse me, the wires are cut. They're severed. So there's no turn off light. There's no switch in here for that light. It has a mind of its own. So the house controls that particular it's light. Interesting so it's you on mentioned. Now for us.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that because before you showed me, before you tilted the camera up to show me the chandelier, I had noticed kind of a a dimming and a. Did you notice that, Ryan? I I noticed the picture got a little dim and then got brighter and then it got dim intermittently. I don't know if that was if the chandelier was dimming for you or whether I was seeing something else. I'm not sure. I'm
1: just so used to it, I don't even think about it. It could have been.
0: So a chandelier that's lighting. That room ha- there has no wires connected to it. It just comes on and off at its right. own discretion, or their yeah. own discretion. All right, stay uh, stay with us, Carolyn. We'll come back, and uh, I want to find out what an evidential medium is exactly. And uh, we'll talk about. Uh, well, we'll just kick it around here, and uh, who knows? Maybe the uh, the spirits in that room will cooperate, and we'll we'll get a sign. Back with more of the conspiracy show. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Carolyn Clapper is uh, with us. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what is an evidential medium? What does that
1: mean? So, an evidential medium is a medium who can bring to evidence. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um okay. Basically, uh, the more evidence someone brings through, meaning a uh, way of passing, um, just acknowledgments of, of items or, you know, spaces or, uh, you know, anything that belongs in what I call the, the meat world. I know people don't like to hear that. This <laughs> is all, the meat world. Stuff, I love you know? So um, anything that belongs to this world, if they can bring it through tangible things to you uh, as evidence, then that would be an evidential medium. So I was kind of named or, you know, I adopted that name from other people. I didn't, you know, I didn't look for this gift. Uh, it was given to me. So it's not something, you know, some of my terminology and verbiage might be different than what people are used to if they're into, uh, you know, the clairvoyant uh, medium type, paranormal world. Uh, It's just something that I kind of came into, and so I've kind of created my own words. They might even be the same as other people's. I don't even know.
0: Now, your involvement in missing persons and unsolved homicides. Now, this is something that obviously police don't like to admit. Uh, They won't talk about it. They probably will deny it,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, that they are you know. seeking seeking the (laughs) assistance of... Of psychics and so forth, but you have worked with police departments. Have they have they have they sought you, or did you just come to them and offered them help unsolicited? How does that work?
1: Okay, so I I always tell people I'm not an ambulance chaser. Um, I do not seek out cases, um, nor do I seek out you know people to read or anything like that. Everything that comes to me, everyone who comes to me comes to me from word of mouth or some other odd way that they had found out about me. Maybe they ran into my website or so forth. Um, therefore, I have never contacted the police, but one time, I contacted them one time recently, actually about a case that's ongoing right now, which I probably shouldn't get too into since it's ongoing right now. Um, the reason I contacted them this this time is because one of my clients uh, that I was sitting with and reading for at the very end of her reading she had asked me if I was getting anything for a missing woman in the area that she lived in and I just said uh, don't tell me anything else see I go into readings cold or blind meaning that I don't want to know anything about the person that I'm doing the reading for right. okay I don't want to know who they're missing who they want to be in contact with I don't want to know their illnesses or lack of, or whatever. I don't want to know anything. I want everything to come through God and spirit to them. It's much more authentic, and they get a lot more information that way in my eyes, okay? So at the end, when she asked me that, all of a sudden, it's kind of like, you know, when she asked it, she attracted it, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, okay, shh, you know? And all of a sudden, I get this lady, and I start describing her, uh, and... I pull people in by the hair is what I tell people. I oftentimes get people like what their hair looks like and then I kind of pull them in closer um, and I start explaining what this woman looks like to her. Uh, then it goes on to what kind of dog she had, um, what kind of home she had, uh, her her belongings, uh, her lifestyle, um, her husband, et cetera, et cetera, Okay. And I start getting all this information. Well, I'm starting to share it with my client, and I thought, okay, zip your lip, girl, because I get, okay, this the person I'm sitting with, she has a good heart. She wants to make sure that this this woman's found, but she's not her family or her friend. Okay, so she doesn't have any direct link to her. She's just curious because it's probably been on the news or something, right, right? right? So I stopped myself, and I said, listen, I'm getting a lot about this person. If you feel comfortable, why don't you pass my information on to the police let them know that I'm getting stuff about her and they can contact me. So that's how I did it that time. Um It's just pass my info to them. If they want to contact me, then they have my information. And
0: did they? So then did they, they do. They con- and they do.
1: They do. They have. Right. I shouldn't say they do. They have.
0: They have. All right.
1: So they have a few times I've had detectives, and it's not the police department. It's specific detectives that are on cases, okay, where maybe they could get a little bit more information or guidance in the case. Um, Oftentimes, though, I work with families. You know, a lot of times police departments, they're skeptical, and I completely understand why because there's so much muddied water. There's so many people out there claiming that they can do things that they can't do. Maybe they're after money. Maybe they're just, I don't know, maybe they glamorize uh, this field because it's kind of unique or, I don't know, just interesting. I don't really know what it is, but I'm sure that they get a lot of false phone calls. So I completely understand. I would be completely skeptical if mediums were calling me and I was a
0: cop. Sure, sure. (laughs) Uh, We have a a mutual friend Mm -hmm. who used to be married to a very famous Hollywood actor David Carradine and Marina has been a mm-hmm. guest on this show and she has given us permission to talk a little bit about this reading that you did for okay. Marina uh, okay. where David Carradine came through. So uh, you could chat a little bit about that when we come back.
1: I'm happy to talk a little bit without exposing too much about his personal self, just because he's not here, you know, in person to all defend right. himself, kind of.
0: Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll um, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about David Carradine. Carolyn Clapper is with us, evidential medium, and uh, she is coming to us live from the Christmas House, a very haunted home by all accounts, in Racine, Wisconsin. Back with more of the conspiracy show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Carolyn Clapper is uh, with us, evidential medium, psychic, has worked on missing person cases, unsolved homicides, and she is coming to us live from the Christmas house in Racine, Wisconsin, a uh, reportedly very active haunted Location, and we're keeping our eyes on that mirror in behind her above the <laughs> fireplace. I do want to talk about David Carradine here in a moment, but can you ask if there's a spirit there to make itself known, or is that verboten?
1: I can. I don't do it verbally. So the reason why I didn't want to do readings online today right. was because there's so much empty space when I start asking questions. You know, so unless you're tuned in and, and watching me online and you can see what I'm doing. Understood. Um, you know what I mean? Over the air will be so much blank space. Um, I have kind of put that out there when I came in. So okay. they know. I mean, they're all around us. I don't have to, you know. So if something happens, it'll happen.
0: And so typically what, of, what, not that there is a typical scenario, but what might happen? Yeah. A candle would be snuffed out, the light well, would dim. here,
1: let me tell you, the last time, sometimes it's just for me because I'm so, maybe they don't have to be as dramatic with me, that's the problem. Like the last time that I was here before tonight, I came over uh, just to see my my girlfriend, Pamela, now, who's now a friend, not just a client. Um, and I went to her restroom down here that's next to the elevator that I told you about. Yes. It's a little powder room. <laughs> and I was just washing my hands. And when I looked up, I saw a woman standing in the mirror. So it wasn't my reflection. It was another woman's reflection. Whoa. Yeah. And she was dressed in kind of like a flapper dress. She was so super cute. And she had this dark hair, and it was kind of like waved and pressed to her head. And she tells me that her name is Beatrice, okay? And she says um, she's excited that Pamela was going to be throwing this party. It was going to be like a murder mystery type party, but like set in that era, okay? Yes. And she's like, we're super excited. This is the best party yet. So she starts telling me how excited her and her friends are. Okay. She looks like she's maybe in her like late 20s, maybe early 30s. She's so super cute. And so I came out of there and here, if you're online, then you can kind of see this. But the last time I was here, I drew this little thing and I wrote some little notes for her. Right. So I came out of there and I drew little Beatrice. (laughs) And... You know, it's not that great of a picture, but I kind of describe what she was wearing. And she tells her, uh, to not forget to make the moonshine.
0: Okay? <laughs>
1: and, and that's exactly what I have written on here. So when I was over, she's like, don't forget to make the moonshine. Okay? And I'm like, what is she talking about? And then, you know, Beatrice is telling me, she goes on to tell me that she's gonna bring all of her boys with her, all of her gals, and they're just gonna tear up their, gonna, she's gonna raise the energy here. Okay? Like they're gonna have a blast, right? And I ask Pamela, what is she talking about? And Pamela just starts laughing. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm having this party. That in two weeks, we're gonna have this murder mystery party. And oh my gosh, I can't believe it's so wonderful they're gonna be here. So she's super stoked. So she keeps uh. this piece of paper that I had written everything on and she puts it upstairs, right, on the table. And every day following the party, every single day, the paper has been moved to the floor. In the middle of the floor every day since then. So she brought it down tonight. <laughs> Gave it ah. to me. She's like, here. So. Oh, she moved it from
0: one floor to the next, not just true. on the floor from the table, but she moved mm-hmm. it downstairs.
1: Yeah. So, so it keeps being moved. Okay. So it's just acknowledgement. Um Some things are subtle like that. Yeah. They had a lot of wild activity. I kind of asked them not to go too crazy with me here tonight because. I don't need any, like, vases flying at my head. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> so. I would settle for a, a, a candle being blown out.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean...
0: All right. We'll, we'll keep watching. Out here.
1: And, or maybe just everything. I've kind of said, okay, well, if you want to turn out all the lights in here, that would be really effective. But, of course, that would be kind of... um you know, on air, people would probably be like, well, somebody could switch off the light, right? So maybe it needs to be something that's a little more interesting, like somebody shows up in the mirror, which is why I was hoping for, like, the mirror phenomena. Right. Maybe you know? we'll
0: see Beatrice the flapper girl. Now, was...
1: That's what I'm saying, right? I'm like, come on, girl.
0: Now, when you went into the bathroom and you saw her, was that a mental image, or did you actually just look up and you saw an apparition? That time I saw her. Oh my gosh!
1: That time I saw her.
0: Is that not startling beyond words for you, or are you used to that? um,
1: It took me back. It kind of, I guess, it kind of just—it takes me back for a second. Um, But I know it's—it's okay. I'm used to it. Right. Okay. A lot of people ask me questions, and I'm like, I know I sound bored with this topic. It's not that I'm bored. It's just that I live it every day.
0: Sure, sure. I mean,
1: and it's that, that's hard to articulate to people. When I sit with people and I see a dramatic death happen, um, if there's a homicide or a suicide or something, and it's it, it's heart wrenching to see it. You know, it's heart wrenching. Right. But sometimes it even comes through a little more dramatic to me, um, so that I don't get it wrong. It's it's real dramatic, you know because then I've got to articulate that to somebody. And you always have to keep in mind um, people's feelings that are in front of you.
0: Okay, I just because want to when, jump in here. Excuse the interruption, Carolyn, but I, I okay. mentioned I mentioned earlier that, um, and I don't know if anyone else is seeing this, but on my iPhone, which I'm mm-hmm. using as my monitor, mm-hmm. um, I I get like this shadow, a bar, across the top every once in a while, and I just saw it a few seconds ago. I don't know if anyone Good. else is seeing that.
1: Good. Well, hopefully when we look at it later, you know, we can find some some good stuff in there.
0: Okay, uh, I want to. You know, the th- one more question, and then I want to get to David Carradine. But sure. Um, I mean, if I had your gift,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I would be. I I would always be asking when I when I when I would see a spirit. I would always be asking them. You know, when did you die, and how did you die, that sort of thing. Do you do you right. do that? Yes, and always. Did you ask Beatrice?
1: I didn't. That's oh. funny. I didn't because it wasn't necessary. What was the point? Because there's nobody here to confirm it. I only ask it when it's necessary. I don't ask unnecessary questions.
0: How about the mayor? No. No? I
1: didn't, because here's the thing. Nobody was sitting in front of me that knew them in, in their life, so there was no need to say, oh, can you confirm this for me? Okay, they died in 1946 or something, and this is what they died of, you know? I mean, can you confirm this? They'd say no. So I did write down a bunch of stuff when everybody came through initially. I don't even remember. Some... You know, there's a woman here who passed of uh, brain cancer. And uh, she's here, and she has come through several times. She was here tonight when I came in. Um, and it turned out, you know, Pamela was able to tell me, yes, she had brain cancer and she lived here. And um, I told her, well, there's she has two children that are still alive, and she wants to get through to them somehow. So I don't know if that will ever come to fruition or... Or what? But, you know, she comes here to me because she wants that information passed along to her kids. So that's important that I know how she passed and I okay. can identify her. Because she has living people here that sure. want to hear from her. Sure. Uh,
0: okay. Um, Marina Anderson, mm-hmm. um, who we both know, and uh, she was married to David Carradine, the actor. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching Kung Fu, like a lot of people. <laughs> okay. And, of course, we're coming up. In a few months, on the, on the anniversary of David Carradine's rather suspicious uh, death, he, of course, was found uh, dead in his um, hotel room in Bangkok. I think it was officially, was it ruled, auto-asphyxiation or something. Anyway, David, and, and I should point out, Marina has given us permission to talk about this a little bit. But when David came through, what did he say? Anything about his death?
1: David had a lot to say. So when he first came through, he came through to me as John. So I did not grow up with Kung Fu. I'm not even familiar with it now. That was before me a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not familiar with the show. I did recognize his face, but I couldn't place his face. So he sat with me on my bed. I did a phone reading with Marina. I didn't know that she was married to anyone famous. I didn't know anything about her. I went into her reading cold, as I do with everybody. And I just knew her first name. So I really didn't know anything about her. Um, he came through as John and as her ex-husband, <laughs> okay? So I just treated it like I would a normal reading. When he first came in, he came in as a hanging, okay? He had actually showed up in my last two readings prior to that. I sat with a young woman the day before. Two of her friends that came through were a brother and sister combo, and they had both taken their own lives. It's a tragic story. Very, very sad. Okay. I'm just heart-wrenching. And, you know, David or John, how I know him, he came through behind them. And I asked her about him. I said, I have another hanging victim. Okay. And I described him and he had a dog with him. And she said, uh, no, This. she is just saying no. Okay. And I said, okay, wait, I think this belongs to my reading for tomorrow. So I'm just going to push this away. I'm going to push him back. Tomorrow came and I spoke with a mutual friend of Marina's and mine. And I believe you know him too. His name's Bob. And when I was talking with him, John or David came through again. And I said, okay, (laughs) this guy keeps coming through and he came through as a a hanging again. And so I thought it was suicide. And by the time I spoke with Marina, He showed me, yes, I am for her. Okay. So he came through for her. I got him at first as a hanging victim. I pulled him, and I didn't question it because she had said yes. So that was my confirmation. As we went on and they were talking about personal things, he was talking about some of the things that she still has of his and, you know, some of the things that they've gone through in life. And then he brought me into his death, and the details just didn't match up with what I was told, what I believed was a self-inflicted hanging it just didn't match up the way that his legs were positioned for instance it was as though he was pulled and dragged over okay Mm. because they were they were bent in a way that would have been conducive with being staged right you will right okay so i got a lot of details even in regards to maybe other people being involved and like i told her and I tell everybody if these things come through and I can tell that there's foul play or anything, pass my information along to anybody who could reopen the case or detectives who have worked on it and I'm happy to give them any information that I'm getting to you know.
0: Right. Marina believes that he was murdered. I, Correct. Yeah. Yes. Is that your conclusion based on what you saw, what he told you? I mean couldn't he tell you whether he was murdered?
1: Yes. Yes. And so that's what I was getting. Is that there was foul play? And I mean, without getting into full details, like I just don't feel comfortable getting into the full details I because some of it is just, you know, it's for him. I, I just, I stumble because I don't know how much of it is okay to say.
0: Okay, but without um, without divulging any other, you know, anything else, why would he come through as John?
1: He came through as John because that was his birth name, I believe. Basically, what happened is eventually I'm like, okay, am I supposed to know you? He was showing me himself on a stage and then behind a stage and on a stage and behind a stage, and then he's showing me him talking to a young lady in the makeup area, like a makeup artist. Well I guess Marina did makeup art and stuff before, so you know, they had been talking and stuff and but he was somebody who worked, you know, off stage like directing and stuff and then also on stage. So he was trying to explain to me who he was. And so he's sitting here with me cross-legged on my bed and getting kind of snarky. And I'm like, well, I can't tell who you are. And he came in really close to me and he's like, is this better? Uh, I just thought uh, uh. it was really funny. Like he's just kind of playing around with me. He was a real chilled, laid back guy. And I really liked him. And I kind of got his energy as like Clint Eastwood, but he didn't look like him. And then he shows me himself superimposed over Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee, I know who Bruce Lee is. So oh, Bruce Lee is like standing in this pose with his leg out and in his full attire. And he superimposed himself over him, and he put his hair back in a ponytail.
0: Oh, that's how And he I communicated. looked at him, and I yeah. thought,
1: oh, my God, I know who you are. Then he shows me Uma Thurman, and he shows me the end of one of the Kill Bills, where she takes him outside and... She kills him.
0: Right. And and he was born, John Arthur Carradine, of course. Uh, His father was a very famous actor, John. Carolyn, we're out of time. We'll have to have you back. This is fascinating.
1: Definitely. I'd love to join you again.
0: Give us a website, Carolyn, if people want to get a hold of you.
1: Sure. It's thenextworldmedium.com.
0: thenextworldmedium.com. Please come back again and uh, stay safe there in the uh, Christmas house.
1: Okay, great. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. My pleasure. Ian Robertson, thank you. Albert Vinzel and, uh, of course, Ryan White. Thank you all. Back next week, a brand new show. Rosemary Ellen Giley in the second hour and reverse speech expert David Oates in the first hour. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Oh